But uh, hey, glad that you are here with us. If you've not had a chance to meet, my name is Mike. I'm one of the ministers here. I want to welcome those who are joining us at home. And uh, uh, today, if you uh, want to participate in the offering, maybe you've, you've already dropped in your gift in the back as you uh, came in. Uh, you can do that on the way out as well, or you, you can do so through our secure online giving portal at cchmd.com slash give. And so uh, you, we'd love to uh, have you participate and help us out with that. Today, also, if you want to uh, tell us that you were able to join us, uh, either online or at home, uh, you can do so at cchmd.com slash connect, slash connect. And there's a connection card there. Let us know uh, who you are, where you're from, where, where you're at, and all that good stuff. I uh, would love to be able to connect with you in that way. If you're new with us and uh, you don't want to do that, you just want you can text new uh, to 240-347-0897. Uh, I'd uh, love to be able to uh, connect and follow up with you afterwards today. If you want to follow along with uh, the sermon notes, you can do so on the Version Bible app. You can search for Church of Christ at Hagerstown. And today's message is titled, Pray for Our Leaders. Pray for Our Leaders. And that seems to be a thing that we probably uh, need to do quite a bit of uh, in the days and weeks and months ahead. And so we're glad that you are here uh, with us and uh, have joined us wherever you are joining us from. If, you are, uh, joining, if you're joining us online, you can't see this, but in the back, uh, Miss Loretta and Mr. Harold are back. And so it is good to see. Uh, we, we've been praying for Mr. Harold as he's been battling uh, leukemia. We, we had to go to uh, Morgantown uh, for some bone marrow transplant stuff. And, and uh, he has quite a bit less hair, but uh, bald is beautiful, man. I mean, I, 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 as my dad said, uh, God made some perfect heads. On other heads, he put hair. And so, um, and so we are, it is a, a joy to be able to celebrate that they are here today. And Ms. Rose is feeling better. She's been uh, battling some shingles as well. And so we are glad that they are here. And so uh, if they get out pretty quick so that they don't shake hands or hug, they, they, it's not because they don't love us. It's just because, well, uh, Mr. Hill is tired of going back and forth to urgent care. And so, uh, but we will uh, continue to pray uh, for for you guys as you recover from your different ailments. And so let's, let's do that. Before we go any further, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. That we can gather in your house and we can sing these songs. Father, you are king forever. You are over all. Father, you made the stars. You made the universe around us. But yet, you're, you're intimate enough with us that you hold us in your hand. And you call us your child. So Father, I pray that you will do that to us and for us. That you would hold us close, hold us near, let us know of your presence. Father, we pray uh, for Mr. Harold as he continues uh, to recover. Uh, Father, you continue to give him strength, that you continue to give him health, that you would uh, uh, strengthen his immune system uh, to fight off uh, infections big and small. Father, we pray that you would continue to, to uh, relieve uh, the, the aches and pains and symptoms of the shingles for Miss Loretta. Father, we pray that you continue to give uh, Miss Joyce and, Ms., and Mr. Howard uh, health is that they recover uh, from, uh, from the virus that they had. Father, we just pray that you would be with us, that you would keep us healthy, that you would keep us strong. Father, you keep us walking in step with you. Father, we thank you for these times that we can gather together as, as family, sing praises to you, to be reminded of your goodness and your greatness. Father, to gather around your scripture. Father, and learn about how to walk in step with you. Father, we thank you for the reminder around the table of your great sacrifice. Father, we are all bound together by the blood of your Son, Jesus. Saved us, gave us, gives us hope for the future. Father, we thank you for these things. We pray your blessing on this time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
it's over the last month we have been going through uh, this series called "How Should Christians Vote?" And uh, this is the last time you'll see this. David, can you put that 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 slide just kind of on the whole screen there? Uh, as as Allie was putting together the kind of thoughts for this series, uh, she uh, decided that she would draw David and Askea and I kind of into that. And and I she pretty well nailed us, didn't she? Uh, I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt though when I uh, vote on, on on Tuesday. I think it looks like it's gonna be a little bit chillier than a short sleeve shirt weather. Uh, but but sometimes don't we, isn't that how we feel in, in, in the voters booth? Like, hey, which which box do I fill in? Sometimes we feel it's just as good as the coin flip. Then there's other times we know exactly the direction we want to go. And, and that's where we've kind of looked at it. There's been some who've maybe questioned the fact that the church would do a, a series like this. And the, the church should stay out of politics. The church has no place in politics. And if what you mean by that is the church shouldn't put their thumb on the scale to influence outcomes of elections, I agree. We're not to use our platform to, uh, to, to point anyone to a particular party or candidate. And I think over the, we've made that point each week that we are not here to endorse anybody. We're not here to denounce anybody. But and I don't even think we've mentioned any names except maybe just to acknowledge who the two major candidates are. And while it would be inappropriate for the church to use its position to influence anyone toward a particular candidate, it is entirely appropriate for the church to use its position and influence to inform voters about issues and how our faith can and should affect those views. A friend of mine uh, posted on social media this week, he said, politics touches everything, but politics isn't everything, not even close. And so this has been our approach over the last month, that, that we've, we, 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 because our politics ought to flow out of our faith. The way we view the political landscape around us ought to flow out of our faith. See, if we use faith to give us guidance through life, then it's going to affect the way that we view the political landscape around us. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. If we use politics to, 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 as a lens to view our faith, it's going to skew the way we view Scripture. It, it's going to uh, affect the way we read the words that God had written down for us, and, and, and so much in a way that's going to be far different than the original writers, and God would have us hold. And so we need to make sure we put the proper lens in the proper spot that we view our world through the lens of Scripture, and not Scripture through the lens. Of our culture. And as maybe you've already voted, maybe you're going to vote this coming Tuesday, maybe you're going to vote somewhere in between there. And maybe you don't, maybe you like or don't like one or both or any of the candidates that are out there. But the odds are when the votes are cast and, the, and they're counted and the balloons are dropped and the newscasts sign off, the winner will likely be either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. That winner will be the president of the United States. And if you are a citizen of the United States, he will be your president whether you like it or not. The Roman emperor, at the time that Paul writes the letter that we're going to look at today, well, he was far worse than all of them. The, the, the guy 
who is the man who is emperor at the time that Paul writes uh, today. We're going to look at First Peter chapter two verses. First uh, Peter chapter two verses one through four. The, the emperor who is uh, emperor at uh, the time that Paul writes this is a man named Nero, and Nero is famous for his immorality. He is famous for political murders, and he's famous for his persecution of Christians. He has such an impassioned persecution. He was such impassioned, so impassioned by his persecution that led to the apocryphal ru- rumor that Nero fiddled while Rome burned. It, throughout his, his reign, he had both his mother and his stepbrother murdered because he thought that they were going to encroach upon his power. The Roman historian Tacitus, he tells a story of uh, where three years into his marriage, Nero kills his wife with a singular kick to the stomach. He was, he was so enraged. It was just a casual outburst of rage that resulted in him killing his wife by just kicking her in the stomach. And his immoralities, his immoralities are far too coarse to mention here. When Rome uh, is nearly burned to the ground in 64 AD, Nero blames the Christians. It was the Christians who, who caused the fire. And, and in that, he begins to uh, imprison them and punish them, burning many of them alive to be a light, to be a torch during many of his garden parties. I mean, you can think of all the things that you might think that Trump or Biden or any other head of state will do that would be really bad. But any way you can think about it, this Nero guy was a pretty bad dude. And so Paul writes to us. He writes to Timothy. Timothy is, is, is leading the church in Ephesus, and, and he is giving him counsel on how to lead the body there well. And Ephesus was a metropolitan city. It was a large city. It had a lot of influence in the area. And Timothy is leading the church there. And, and they, there are those in Ephesus who, who were probably quite loyal to Rome who were uh, down and were good with, uh, with emperor worship, and they were uh, okay with uh, uh, worshiping the other gods. But yet there's also this growing Christian community there in Ephesus who wasn't so okay with the emperor and, and what he was doing and what he was saying. And, and they, were, they were there, and as they were there, they, they worshiped and they desired to worship the one true God. So they were, well, they were not a fan of, who the emperor was and what he does. Maybe this sounds like a country you've been a part of for the last decade or two. Paul's advice to Timothy, the church of Ephesus, ought to be helpful as we prepare for this week's events. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through four, he says this, I said, I urge you then, first of all, that requests and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What's the first thing that Paul tells the church to do? The first thing that Paul tells the church to do is the, is the first thing that, that, that we should have been doing all along. The one thing, if we did more of this, we might have better options when it comes to our political leadership in our country. 
If you're walking into, maybe you walked into the polling booth, maybe when you do on Tuesday, you're like, man, I, I don't really like any of these options. Maybe, maybe some prayer on the front end for those who might want to be involved, for those who are involved, for those who are considering running for our leadership in our country. Maybe we'd have better options if we prayed a bit more. And Paul says, I urge you then, he says, he says, pray. And, and, and not just pray, but he uses four different words in succession to talk about this. It'd be kind of like going up to your children and saying, I'd like you to clean, straighten, neaten, and tidy your room. Or, or maybe, maybe you ask your spouse tonight, I, I would like you to, to cook, prepare, heat, and fix dinner this evening. One word probably would do, right? Paul could just say, hey, we should pray for all these people. But he uses four words to communicate the same thought because each one adds a different emphasis. And as we've learned through Scripture, that if it's repeated, it's important. And so Paul, Paul gives these four words. And the first thing he says, I want you to offer petitions. Petitions. This is, this is that prayer of deep need, right? We prayed for Mr. Harold and Ms. Loretta. We've prayed for Ms. Joyce and Mr. Howard. We've prayed for many others. And this prayer has come from deep within us that God would provide healing. And maybe you've had specific situations in your life, be it health, be it relational, be it financial, be, be it just a, a pain on your heart. And you're, there's this deep need, and this prayer comes from deep within. And maybe as we look around and we see the state of our country and the state of our community, and we bring these before the Almighty God, and we ask Him to act on our behalf. I don't like how this disease has affected our country, our community, our lives. Maybe some of it has put you out of work, put your friends out of work. It's affected people's livelihoods because of the economic shutdown. Maybe, maybe the, the civil unrest, the political unrest, and the racial tension in our country, maybe that has been, caused tensions deep inside. And from this deep place, you bring them before God. And we ask for God to act and to move on our behalf. Paul says, I want you to offer petitions. I want, I want you to feel deeply about these things. And the things that you feel deeply about, you need to bring them before God. Paul says he also wants them to offer prayers. And this is the most basic and, 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 and simple prayer word in the entire New Testament. What Paul pretty much says is, hey, just talk to God. I, I, I try to make it a practice that when, when, when I pray publicly that I, I try not to use fancy words or flowery language. I just use regular words to talk to God. Because I don't want it to seem that if you are, are praying in your own place, in your own space, in your own time, you're like, well, I, I can't pray because I don't use words like Mike uses. I don't use words like David uses. I don't use words like, like Mark uses. I don't use words like Jeff uses. I, I don't use the, those kind of words. I, I just use simple language. Guess what? God likes simple language. God's our Father. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our deepest needs. He wants us just to be able to talk to Him in conversation. So maybe you're in the car tomorrow. Maybe you're in the car on the way home today. And it's just quiet. As you're driving, you just talk to God as you would your friend. Guess what? You can do that hands-free. You don't even need Bluetooth to do that. You can just talk to God and He will 
hear you. Paul says, pray, offer prayers. He says to offer intercession. See, the first word Paul uses, the, the petitions, it, 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 it's a word that, that describes and notes the insufficiency of the one asking, right? I don't have this. I am in need of this. And so I bring this request to God. The, the second one kind of notes the devotion of the one praying. I, I, am, I am close enough to God that I can just have this conversation as I would a friend. And like, like, talk, like I'm talking to him on the phone, like I'm talking to him in the seat next to me, because I'm talking to him like across the table. God and I can just have this conversation. But this word about intercession, it highlights the confidence of the one requesting. Because one thing to ask for something for yourself, right? Hey, God, can, can you do this for me? Because you know, if, if, if you pray this prayer and, and say it feels like it's answered no, or maybe it feels like it's not answered, obviously you're like, well, maybe it kind of, you're like, well, maybe I just feel a little bit let down. When I pray for someone else, and it doesn't seem like there's a response, I feel like I'm not just letting myself down, but my friend down too, right? So if we pray for someone else, it, it, there's some about the confidence on our behalf that God's going to act and move in this other situation. I want to pray for my friend because they, they are sick and they're dealing with something. I, 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 I've got this confidence that God will move and that God will act. And so it takes it up a little bit, right? We have to have this confidence that God will hear us and that God will move as he sees Paul says we should offer requests, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We should be a people that give thanks for what God has done and what he continues to do. You see, God sees as we don't see. God has this bird's eye view, this this Goodyear blimp view of all of time and all of humanity and all of the world. And so while we are stuck in the forest and we think things should go this way. God, maybe he sees a couple moves down the way and he says, if I answer your request the way you went to right now, you don't see that just around that next bend is a, is a pitfall. It's a cliff that you're going to go off of and things are going to be even worse. But he might answer our prayer by sending us through a little bit more pain in there right now because the victory and the blessing and the, 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 the relief is just on the other side of that hurt. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us to give thanks to God for the hurt and pain that we might be going through. But that hurt and that pain builds up a faith in us. It builds up a story in us that as we see that God delivers us through that, all of a sudden we can tell a story of His faithfulness. And it causes us to to be more faithful in praying for others because we know that God will move and that God will act. And Paul says that we need to offer petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving for all people. For all people. Not just the people we like. Not just our family. Not just those who we're close to, but for all people. And so when you hear something distressing in the news, you may not agree with the person, but you're like, hey, God, God maybe you know, comfort them, be with them in, in that situation. That situation would be really painful and really hurtful to go through. Would you, would you provide some comfort there? And see, we should pray for those who we are, pray for those who we're having a difficult time with right now. Maybe, 
Maybe there's a friend of yours, or maybe there's uh, someone at work, or, or someone in your neighborhood, and you're like, you're like I'm, I'm having a difficult time with them. Mike, you're asking me to pray for them? Right now? That, 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 sometimes that seems broken, right? Why would I want to pray for that person who I don't really like, I don't really get along with? But it's nearly impossible to pray for someone and continue to have negative thoughts about them. Right? Because prayer, prayer will almost always bend your heart towards the one you are praying for. Prayer will almost always bend your heart towards the one you're praying for. So, so maybe you and your spouse are, are things are kind of there's some friction there in your marriage. Maybe you, as you as you pray for them, you, you'll you'll feel your heart soften to them. And you're like, maybe Mike, you don't know my husband, you don't know my wife. I don't want my heart softened right now. I'm right, right? So I'm going to hold my ground. Maybe that's just the thing God needs you to do is to pray for your spouse to help begin to bring you back together. The prayer will almost always bend your heart back towards the person you're praying for. But it's not easy. This is why it's hard when Jesus commands us to pray for our enemies, right? Like, I want to pray for my enemies. I want to pray against my enemies, right? I, 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 w- I want my enemies thwarted, defeated, knocked down. I want to be victorious. It causes this rift. It causes this us versus them. And Jesus is like, no, 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 we pray, need to pray for our enemies because it will bend our heart towards them. It will help us have compassion for them. It will help us love our enemies as we love ourselves. Too often, we'd still really rather carry around the hate within us, not realizing that hate blocks the path of the will and the blessing of God in our life. So when we pray for our enemies, it bends our hearts towards them. So pray, pray for all people, including kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. All right, pray for kings and all those in authority, but only if they're the candidate you prefer or if they're from your preferred political party. Right? What well, it says there. No, no, no. Maybe it's a, yeah. pray for kings and those in authority, but only if they never say or do stupid things. Right? That's not there either, is it? Just pray for those kings and for those in authority. There are none of those extra disclaimers. Jesus says pray for them. For those of you who say that you're more politically conservative, maybe you align more with the Republican Party, how many of you prayed for the benefit and the welfare of President Obama during his eight years as president? For those of you who, who, who feel more aligned, who are more on the, the liberal progressive side, who, who, who uh, would align more with the, the Democrat Party, how often in the last four years have you prayed for the benefit and the welfare of Donald Trump? Maybe you voted for neither of these two men as president. Have you prayed for their benefit and the wealth, their welfare over the last 12 years? Praying for our enemies is difficult. Paul says we need to pray 
for all people. We pray for our kings. We need to pray for those in authority over us that it may go well with us. See, in the entire existence of our country, we have never had a candidate. We have never had a president as bad as Nero. And Paul is saying, hey, we need to pray for him. And that message was so effective that Nero would later take off Paul's head. Peter writing to the church, said this, hey, we need to show proper respect to everyone. That we need to love the family of believers. We need to fear God and honor the emperor. You know who the emperor was? Nero. And Nero was so blessed by this message that he had Peter crucified. We need to honor the emperor. We need to pray for those who are in authority over us. And the church is saying, do you know what kind of man is the emperor? Nero is a bad dude. He does not believe in the things of God. Have you seen the things he has said? Have you seen the things that he has done? How he has treated men and women around him? And you want us to honor and respect him? You want us to pray for them? And Paul and Peter would stand before us today and say, yes, even if it costs you your life. This is me to pray for the kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. See, here's the the deal. When we do what God says, when we are obedient to Him, it will go well with us. But what if the king and what if the emperor, what if the, the president, what if those in authority are against my views? What if we do not agree? Pray for them. Pray for them. That the outcome of our life will be peaceful and quiet where we can pursue godliness and holiness. See, we can oppose what government is doing without being opposable. We can disagree with them without being disagreeable. But when we become disagreeable, we start to take our eyes off the real mission of the church, which is to make disciples of all nations, starting with ourselves. See, when we pursue greater godliness, when we pursue greater holiness, this pleases God. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior. It pleases God when we pursue holiness, when we pursue godliness, when we become more like Him, when we begin to show more of Him to others. Our heart is moved as God's heart is moved. And we're able to help others come to salvation and a knowledge of the truth. Paul calls calls us to avoid anything that will cause us to lose sight of helping people become followers of Jesus. When we no longer pray for our enemies, we no longer pray for those who are far from God, when we ourselves no longer pursue godliness and we no longer pursue holiness, then we can no longer please God. And if we're living a life that no longer pleases God, where are we going to find the joy in our salvation? 
my, 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 my walk just isn't the way. I'm not feeling the same kind of joy. I'm not feeling the same kind of love that I used to. Are we praying for those who are around us? Are we pursuing godliness? Are we pursuing holiness? Are we just pursuing earthly means? Are we just pursuing earthly power? Are we pursuing earthly position? Are we pursuing earthly outcomes? Are we truly pursuing godliness and holiness in our life? See, when we pursue godliness and holiness, this pleases God. See, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we should be growing in our love for others and our obedience to Jesus and helping others to do the same. See, but too often we get sidetracked by politics. We get sidetracked by our hobbies. We get sidetracked by advancement. And we lose sight of the one we are made to love and the one we are made to worship. The Westminster Catechism asks this question. What is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of man? Why did God make man and put him on the earth to, to live out his days? What is our purpose? And the chief end, the, the end of, uh, for man, what we are supposed to do is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We are to worship God with our life. And too often we shrink worship down to a few songs that we sing on Sunday morning. Did you know that evangelism is worship? See, isn't worship about expanding the glory of God? Of sharing His goodness? Of telling of His greatness? And what better way to do that than to share your faith with someone else. See, evangelism isn't a separate compartment from worship. It is worship. And as we go about our day, we can worship God by singing. We, sh- we can worship God by studying and thinking about His Word. But we can also worship God by sharing His goodness with others. As we pursue Him greater and greater in deeper ways, we're worshiping Him. As we're helping others come to know Him, we are worshiping, we are glorifying God, and then we enjoy Him forever, both here and in the life to come. And we do this best while fulfilling the mission that He's given us. And so our witness, our witness is weakened sometimes by the way we view and the way we talk about politics. Sometimes by our social media posts. And the positions that we hold that are contrary to Scripture, but yet like we like to talk about as if they were Scripture. And I'm not saying all the ways we talk about politics and all the things we post on social media and, and all the positions we hold. I'm not saying that all of those are contrary and weaken our witness. But sometimes the way we do things doesn't always put our best foot forward. See, when we stand on the side of culture, it is shaky ground because culture almost always seems to be changing. But when we stand on the ground of Scripture, we may not always be popular with those around us. We're not called to popularity. But the church is called to serve as a bridge. Well, we may not be called to be popular. We can't be disagreeable. We can't be opposable either. The church is called to, to, to stand in the gap as a bridge, to bridge the gap between where our culture is and where they can find hope in Jesus. 
And we can stand there because Jesus stood there first. Because on our own, we can never bridge that gap. But Jesus bridged that gap for us. And so the church, as God's representative here on earth, is to stand in that gap and help people find their way back home to Jesus. And so if our political positions and the way we talk about politics and the way we, we view the world around us, if, if it causes, if it repels people, then we need to change how we're doing it. See, we always need to stand on the side of Scripture because Scripture is the one true unchanging thing. That how we present God's Word to others, that may need to be changed. That we can show a God who loves them and cares them cares for them. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to pay the price for our sins that we might be restored to him. And it all begins with prayer. Prayer for our world. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who are around us. Prayers, deep petition prayers from deep within us where our heart cries out. Prayers that are just conversation, talking with God. Intercessory prayers. Prayers on behalf of those around us where we intercede that God would give blessing on their life. Our politicians are not our saviors. The kingdom of God will not arrive on Air Force One. But neither are they truly our enemies. We might disagree we might stand opposed to them. Though their policies, their policies may be made that stand against the church, it will not be defeated. For Jesus said the gates of hell will not overcome the church. And throughout history, the church has grown even faster and more powerfully when faced with persecution and hardship. So whoever wins the election, we're called to pray for them. We're prayed that God, we should pray that God will use them and use us to bring about His will in the kingdom of God here on earth. Maybe today, maybe today as you are, are considering the world around us, considering what God did for us on our behalf. That you would want to come to repentance and make Jesus your Savior. Maybe you have had many people praying for you. Maybe you've been praying that God would, would, would speak to you and help lead you to a place of salvation. And we'd love to, to walk with you through that, those steps and to help you come to place your faith in Jesus. And you can let us know by one of two ways. One, you can fill out the connection card, cchmd.com slash connect. And on that card, you can, you can click the box that says become a Christian. And we will follow up with you and help you walk through those steps. You can also let us know by texting LIFE, LIFE to 240-347-0897. We long to be a church that prays for others. That we would serve as a bridge to help restore others back to relationship with Jesus. That we might pursue godly and holy lives in this place. Lives that please God and help restore others back to Him. And I think today as we close,
think it would be best and appropriate for us to spend some time in prayer. And maybe where you're at, maybe you just, just want to sit. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe where you're at, maybe you want to stand and, and raise hands to God. Maybe there in your living room. You might want to take a, a different posture than just sitting. Whatever posture you would want to take. We're going to close our time today with, with prayer. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for the, the decisions that will be made in the, in the days and weeks to come. That God's wisdom would be evident. That the kingdom of God will rise out of it. Not our desires and not our heart, but that God's heart and God's will would win the day. He says, the model prayer. That your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And may that be our prayer. As we close today, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you are loving and kind. Father, you hear our prayers, our deep, the deep calls of our heart. And Father, we ache for our country that there are times and things that make us seem so divided. But Father, it seems that all we keep doing is just fighting against ourselves instead of being the good that we know we can be. And Father, sometimes who we choose in elections becomes divisive amongst friendships and relationships. Father, I pray that we can put aside political affiliation and have a conversation. That we might focus and center our lives around Scripture and understand that people might have different priorities in, in the realm of what Scripture says. That our relationship shouldn't be focused around that, but around our, our bond and our connection to you. Father, I pray that we would be uh, peacemakers in the days ahead. As there may be fighting and bickering and, and battles and We'll hear divisive talk. Father, we'd be able to, to, to stand as peacemakers in the gap and between these two sides that we would have this opportunity to share your love with those around us. Father, there are those who are facing economic hardships because of The, 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 the virus and the way it's shut down things in our country. God, I pray that you would be their provider. Father, we would be able to come alongside those in need and, and assist them and help show them your love in a, in a tangible way. God, as there's racial unrest in different areas and different pockets of our country, Father, may we be a voice. May, may we be a voice for the voiceless. 
May we offer hope. May we sit and listen and hear the hearts of those who are around us that they may seem opposed to us, but really their hearts may be for the same thing that ours are for. That we might be able to be a voice for those who, who need it. Father, we can bring peace and reconciliation. That we can begin to prepare here on earth for that day in heaven when the multitudes will gather around your throne. Father, may, may we be for life. Father, even life beyond just the murder of innocence in the womb. Father, we might be for justice for those who live their life, who face injustice daily. That we might help fight for justice there too. That we might help fight for life there too. That all men and women who are citizens and members of this country truly live out the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Father, we might, might we be for the restoration of marriages and homes. Father, we will have we, we have godly families. We might raise godly children. There might be a godly legacy passed down through generations that the gospel will live and go forth. Father, the hurts of sin and disobedience and pain, Father, you might provide healing. Father, you help us most of all to live quiet lives, pursuing godliness, pursuing holiness, pursuing you with our whole heart. That, Father, in the end, you would be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. Father, in days and weeks to come, we will not talk about who won elections, but we'll talk about how you have moved in our lives, in our church, and in our community to help bring men and women to knowledge of the truth, repentance, salvation, the lordship of, the lordship of Jesus, that we might help others come to know you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. And check back on our on the video page for uh, some videos for our, our students and our children. And uh, pray that as we go through this week that there will have times of quiet reflection. We can continue to begin to pray more earnestly for those who are in leadership of our country, the direction that God has us going that we might be able to serve and help those who are around us come to a knowledge of Jesus. We're thankful that you've joined us today. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.